Well, good evening, everyone. this evening. And, uh, still carry on. So hope everyone has <clears throat> had a good day. Um, ask that we continue to remember one another. In our service to the Lord, whether present or not, uh, whenever we're able to get together. So it's important for us to continue to remember one another in, in this. I ask for the Lord's guidance and direction. So um, let's continue to remember Joe and family. I ask that also you continue to remember. Uh, Those that are sick and ailing, let's just remember uh, Brother Wayne and Sister Shirley. I uh, remember Tony this evening as well, but they're not here. I uh, remember my, my wife and daughter, they're not here this evening. Um, remember the Browns and uh, Sister Andy. I uh, remember Sister Tammy and her family. And uh, Remember those that are in, uh, in need, both spiritually and physically uh, and mentally as well. Um, this evening, we'll continue our, our study on Galatians, uh, finishing out Galatians chapter 6. I don't know that we'll finish this evening, but uh, nonetheless, we'll begin uh, the final chapter there in Galatians. Before we do that, let's uh, turn to the Lord in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this day, and we thank you for your many blessings. Lord, we ask that you would... Um, be with our assembly, Lord, as we uh, seek to serve you, Lord. We pray that you would strengthen and edify and encourage us, Lord, in, in your work, Lord. Help us to understand where it is that we fail in your service. We ask that you would um, help us to continue to be an example in this community as you would have us to. Or we ask that you would um, be with our brethren wherever they are. We ask all these things in your son's precious name. We ask again that you'd go through to these services, Lord, and that you would... Um, God, and direct us, Lord, that you would share your word and, uh, as we should. Lord, we ask all these things again in your son's name. Amen. Well, this evening we'll be in the book of Galatians. Again, we're finishing up our uh, the final chapter here. And uh, take a look at a few things, uh, which uh, provide the kind of tie up nicely the, the book here. Uh, we'll read there, starting in verse 1. It says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his own flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. 
But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reapeth everlasting life. Let us not be weary in doing well, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially of them which are of the household of faith. You see how large a letter I write unto you with mine own hand. As many as desire to make a fair shoe of the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest that they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glorify in your flesh. But God forbid that you should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be unto them, and mercy upon upon the Israel of God. Mercy and upon the Israel of God. For henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear of my own body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Under the Galatians written from Rome. So again here we, we, we begin off the chapter here uh, with a few uh, references to one that has erred and how they are to address them and their fault. It says, ye, uh, There, brethren, if any man overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Paul writing here to address the church at Galatia. Um, again, we talked about uh, throughout the, cha- the final chapter here uh, about circumcision, which has been mentioned from the beginning, and about the Jews being uh, the, these brethren perverting the gospel, uh, back, bring, trying to bring them back under the old law through the circumcision of the flesh. But that wasn't the point. Paul's encouragement here at the end was that they that are overtaken of all, those that are, are wrong or in a long line of, line of thinking, this is the one that is spiritual. Sure, restore such a one in meekness and in, in humility is, where, is the word there. Why do you think that's important? It's our duty when our brethren are, in, are, are suffering or in, in the wrong that they be corrected humbly. it's not done in the proper manner, it can cause more strife and difficulty amongst the brotherhood. It's not something that we are strived to be after. Of course, uh, after the order that Christ set forth, we should be a humble or meek people. The difficulty here is that Brother Paul was trying to restore these brethren that had erred in their belief back to a position where they could be able to mature in Christ. But it was the duty of the one that was stronger to be humble about it in the situation and consider oneself so that they're not tempted to fall into the same pattern as these brethren that are erring. He goes on there beyond that first verse and says, Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What was it that Jesus said? He said the first commandment was, 
love the Lord your God, right? With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. The scripture talks about that in Deuteronomy. Then he says the second commandment is likened to the first. What's the second commandment? Love your brother as yourself. Or love your neighbor as yourself. Depends on which translation you looked at, but it means essentially the same thing. So, what's the consideration here? He says, bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Christ did the same thing for his brethren despite them spitting on him, fussing at him, trying to get him killed or stoned or thrown off a cliff, whatever it was, he still tried to bear his brethren's load and help them see what it was that God had set forth for them in the covenant and the new way that he would come to fulfill the law so that they might have a better opportunity. Only for after his death that these brethren here would try to go back under the law, trying to seek to subdue their Gentile brethren under the flesh. That wasn't what the Lord had desired. The Lord desired for them to take up their cross and follow after him and lay down this old old manner of thinking. Put aside the flesh. Put aside the desire to keep the letter of the law. Rather, what do we talk about always? The spirit of the law. Like he said here, the law of Christ. What was it? What we mentioned just a few minutes ago. It says, but let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself, uh, rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. So wait a second. We're supposed to bear one another's burdens, but we're also supposed to bear our own or prove our own work. That doesn't make sense. You're supposed to do it for me. No, that's not the case. That's not what the Scripture teaches here. Paul's admonition was to. Even though we help one another, it's not an excuse to be lazy. As a pastor or a brother in Christ, I can't bear all of your burdens. You have to express some responsibility for your own actions too. Well, Brother Tyler, I can't do that because I have such and such to do. There is no excuse before the Lord. You may excuse it away before yourself and before others, but the Lord is not fooled in these things. We have a duty to one another. But we must also bear our own load. Not defrauding our brother. Then he shall have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another when he proves his own work. That's a novel idea. For every man should bear his own burden. Wait a second. He just said, help one another bear the burden and fulfill the law of Christ. And he says, well, then another man would prove his own work and have rejoicing himself and not another. Why? Because he did it. He submitted to the Lord. He had an understanding. Oh, what is he talking about there? Every man will bear his own burden before the Lord. He's going to have to give an accounting before the Lord of what happened. Surprise! We all have to give an account before the Lord. So if we didn't bear 
our load properly. What do you think the Lord's going to do for us? Scripture talks about the one that comes and says, well, I did this, I did that, I did this. And what do you say? Depart from me, I never knew you. It's not what we want to hear. It's not what the Lord wants to say to us either. He desires that all men should be saved and come to the knowledge of him. Hmm. It says, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. What do you think that's supposed to mean? Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. I think that means that what we're taught, when we're taught in the word, we can communicate those things with what? The person that teaches us. We should be sharing that with one another. Encouraging one another. We've taught, we study, we understand these things. We go back and share them with those that have taught us. We have something to teach one another about our service to the Lord. Better not be puffed up enough that we don't see that. It says, Be not deceived there in verse 7. God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth that he shall also reap. What does that mean? What comes out of us? What are we, what are we bearing fruit of? Scripture talks about deeds of the flesh and deeds of the spirit. Of course, it refers to them as fruits. Same thing. What does our fruit bear witness of us? That we're of the flesh or of the spirit? I mean, there's the two are at odds with one another. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. We will be responsible in the end of time when the Lord returns for what we have done. We talked this morning about the Nicolaitans. Those were brethren at one time. I'm pretty sure of it. What do you think they're held responsible for? Leading away others? Absolutely. What do you think we're responsible for in our conduct with the Lord, in our faith, in our walk? What's required of us? We're going to bear, we're going to bear fruit for something, but we're going to be held account for that fruit as well. God isn't going to be deceived by our words or our actions or that what we think that we're doing. He's going to render a divine, irrefutable judgment that we can't refute. Let's look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Actually, let's go to Romans chapter 8 first. Romans chapter 8. Verse 16 and 17. 
He says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, if heirs of God, and joint heirs of Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified with him. For I reckon that the current suffering of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity not willingly, but by reason of his own who hath subjected the same hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered for the bondage of corruption and the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Not only they, but ourselves also, that which are the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but a hope that is seen is not hope. For what man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that which we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he hath maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together to good for them that love the Lord. Who are called according to his purpose. A few verses there, but 16 and 17 was primary focus of what I was studying. It says, again, he talks about having not received the spirit of bondage, again, to fear. What do you think he's talking about? We're not under the law, we're not under bondage to the flesh either. When we're in Christ, we shouldn't be. Because the Lord has given us an opportunity to be free from that. But it requires us to submit. It requires for us to lean on Him in faith to provide what it is that we need. He says up there in verse 13, before what we read, it says, For if we live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many are as led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Hmm. So, Hard topic, huh? Remembering that we are heirs to a promise, that we are then have the ability to be adopted, to be a part of the body of the Lord. What great responsibility that requires of us. We do not have an opportunity to be frivolous with this great thing that's been entrusted to us. But it requires us to bear one another up. And we can't do it when we're selfish or when we're lax or when we're distracted or when we just plain don't care what it's going on in our brethren's life.
We just don't care about others who have need of the Lord. Counting them to not be worthy. But the Lord has called us to live differently. We're children of the Lord. We're to be doing His work, one with another, in Christ, as Christ carried out while He was here on this earth. Why else would He he commissioned those work, work for the apostles after that? Is that still valid? Absolutely. We cannot deceive ourselves into thinking that it is okay to do nothing when we've said that we've come to serve the Lord. If not, we aren't any better than the Nicolaitans we discussed this morning. Or the Balaamites. What's it going to take for us to see what it is that we are to do? It's not by my works. It's not by your works. By our faith in Christ, believing that he said what he said here in the scripture, we can take that and apply it to our lives and be better for his service. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. First Corinthians chapter three. Verse sixteen it says, Knew ye not that ye are the temple of God, that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, and he shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Let no man deceive himself, if any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world. Let him become as a fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of those wise that they are vain. Therefore let not man glory in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come and all are yours. And ye are Christ's And Christ is God's. Hmm. What's he talking about there? The novel concept about my body, my physical body being the temple of Christ that so many people adhere to isn't necessarily what this is talking about. What it's talking about is we are the temple of God. We, the corporate body of Christ, individual believers that come together into Christ. They are the body of Christ. Can be one person, singular, by themselves. It's the conglomerate of those that enter through baptism into Christ. By faith. That is what he's describing here. Know ye not that you're the temple of God? And that the Spirit of God dwells in you? 
Who did he give the spirit to? He gave a spirit to the church, folks. If the man defileth the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy. Which temple ye are? We can't deceive ourselves that we can't defile the temple of God. The church absolutely can be. How else would the Nicolaitans have come into place? The Balaamites? How else could folks have been disciplined in the church in the accounts that we have over in 1 Corinthians? How else could it have been that they experienced hardship? He talks about some of those that have He's given over to Satan. Paul mentions those over there in the accounts there. Because they taught what? A different doctrine. He says, Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him be foolish that he may be wise. Be as foolish, excuse me that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. Why? Because it's going to pass away. Let no man glory in men. For all things are who? God's. Is it Paul or Paulos or Cephas? Was it of them? No. It was of God. They received the instruction from Christ through Spirit. So, guess what? Hey, <laughs> It's not my life. I chose to serve the Lord, so I've handed my life over to Him. So guess what? When I fall short, who is at fault? Me. Who is at fault when we fail? We are. Because we didn't put our trust enough in the Lord. May we renew our faith that it might be that Christ continues to work through us. Not hardening our hearts to the needs of our brethren. Not hardening our hearts to what the service requires of us in the Lord. Man, ever be that we are accounted as garbage. Other sources of scripture mention that we are members one of another. Jointly fitted together. It's not the exact phrasing. It's a summation there. But think about it. What is it? Ephesians chapter 2 is where we'll turn next. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 16. It says there in that, He might reconcile both God unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you, which was afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no nor strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints in the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, and whom all the building fritly framed together, groweth unto the holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye are also builded together for inhabitation of God through the Spirit. Hmm. such a statement that's akin to Paul addressing the church at Galatia 
that the church has made no uh, made a common household with no distinction between Jew and Gentile, but servants making up the Lord's dwelling. He says, for we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. He says, we're no longer strangers. We're not outcasts. We're part of the Lord's work. Those who have entered into the covenant through baptism by faith. And built upon the foundation of the apostles. See, continuing there, what we talked about earlier. Hasn't changed from when Christ commissioned the apostles. We still have work to do. We still are to be the Lord's hands and feet to do what He's called us to do, to minister one another, to strengthen and encourage one another. That is our duty before God. Not to go back under the law, not to go back to what it is that we did before our previous life. Back over in Galatians chapter 6 where we left off. He goes on there. Of course we mentioned left off there in verse 8 where he talked about of the flesh will reap corruption. We see that proof in the scripture of what happened to those that did. Of course we talked about the Nicolaitans this morning whom the Lord hated. There over in Revelations chapter 2. We talked a little bit about in previous passages of Scripture, what was going on with the Lord's work. And those that had struggles, we went through 1 Corinthians talking about the issues that the early church had there at Corinth. These people were flesh and blood like us, brethren. They weren't some mindless pitiful thing that hadn't had not thought just the same as us what is the thought here we need to be responsible workers of the lord else in our work here it'll dry up I think the Lord spoke of agriculture. They could understand the terms. If you don't tend the field properly, you don't supply it with nutrients, you don't till it under and let things decompose and re-enrich the soil, and rains come and our snows fall, reinvigorate the soil, what happens? It dies off. It becomes uninhabitable, unusable, unfit. And reform starts in our own hearts, in our own minds. If I can't let the Lord handle these things that burden me or that that I struggle with, then how can I help you? But the encouragement here from Paul was not to get discouraged in these things, but for them to realize, hey, you have an opportunity. It says, let us not be weary in doing well, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Keep going even when it gets hard. That's why it's important for us to strengthen, encourage one another, and be there for one another when it's needed. 
which we need one another all the time, just as we need the Lord. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them that are of the household of faith. Mm-hmm. Why? Maybe those men that see it might become part of us. And if we don't, they probably won't. Don't get tired out. Keep going. Keep the faith. We do good to these men that are of these other men, especially of their household of faith. What happens? Praise the Lord. The Lord's glorified in that. He says, you see how large a letter I write unto you with mine own hand. He's closing this out, folks. It's me that's writing this. It's Paul. I think understanding is, is that Paul had a bit of uh, difficulty with his eyesight as he was uh, advancing in age. He says, many as desire to make a show, a fair show of the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only less that you be suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. He's like, look, this is proof that I'm writing when I'm supposed to. He says, people make a fair show of it. They want you to be circumcised, but he says, only lest they should suffer persecution of the cross of Christ. For neither they nor themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. He says, they can't keep the law. But they want you to be circumcised so you can be under bondage too. He says, they can say, hey, look what we did. We got these people to be circumcised. It's not going to do them any good, is it? But God forbid that I should glory, save the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. He says, I, I shouldn't, you know, that I, that I glory in this. He says, save what? Through, through Jesus, who died. By whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Hmm. It says, for in Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. Oh, there's a novel thought changing our minds and our hearts to be conformed into something wholly different. That doesn't mean that I can come as I am and stay as I am, does it? Don't be deceived with that thought and ideology, folks. New creature, something different. Being raised in the likeness of Christ. Hmm. Here's a novel thought. And as many as has walked according to this rule, peace be unto them and mercy and unto the Israel of God. Upon the Israel of God, excuse me, I still read that wrong. For henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear of myself my body, the barks of the Lord Jesus, bred in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, be with you, with your spirit, amen. Under the Galatians written for, from Rome. So Paul wrote this in captivity. He said, there's many that walk according to this. That these things 
circumcision or uncircumcision mean anything, but that they are changed by faith into something wholly different, like unto Christ. He says, and peace be upon them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. He says, don't let anybody give you trouble. He says, don't let them bother you because what? I bear the marks of, of Jesus. He says, I bear the persecution. I bear the suffering just as Jesus did. And he tell us to be, what? Suffer with Christ? Means it's difficult. Means it's going to be a little painful for us. And probably more than a little painful. Should be a little, it should be a lot painful to overcome the flesh. Pray the Lord make it easy. He says there he make his, my yoke is easy and my burdens are light. He wouldn't do anything to cause us to be burdensome, but guess what? It requires us to give up something. Our own life. And by nature, we are selfish in the flesh. Something that we tend to struggle with. But no. His encouragement here to the church at Galatia was, hey, don't, don't give in to this perversion of what the Lord's taught. Don't get caught up in all of this difficulty that that is the law that's been fulfilled, not invalidated, but fulfilled, and that it tutored us to the point where we understand that Jesus had come to provide something far more greater and lasting and beautiful than anything that had ever been occurred in, 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 the, in the space of time on this earth. And at last, at the end of it, he continues to encourage them to walk by faith. To not go back under that bondage. And then finally, to be encouraged not to go back under the bondage and of course, then be encouraged of one another and bear up the burdens and the difficulties that we face and not deal with the iniquities and the things that the world gives thought to, but to be changed and to help one another through this process and to encourage one another through this process and to be like who? Like Jesus. Be changed into the likeness of Christ by faith. Having a desire to set aside our flesh. I ask you this question as we close in our study in Galatians. Is that manifested in us? Have we put down the world or we we put, pick it up intermittently and drag it around like a dead body? Is God going to find glory in that? Probably not, according to Scripture. So what do we do? Lay it down. Put our burdens at the feet of Jesus and pick up one another with our difficulties and our sickness and our ailments in the flesh and strengthen one another. As much as we see the day drawing near. I don't know about y'all, but I want to inherit. I want... All of us didn't hear it. 
Because if the Lord doesn't desire that all men should fall short of the glory of God, then certainly don't want any of us to. And I would hope that you'll think about this throughout the week. And you'll be encouraged and you'll be strengthened. And then we reach out if you're struggling or you're having difficulty because that's what we should do in the Lord's work. As Paul encouraged the, the churches here, that's what we need to do for one another. Whether in our own assemblies or whether our brethren from afar, that's our duty. Thanks for your kind attention this evening and I appreciate uh, joining us this evening. Now we'll close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this day and we thank you for the opportunity to look into your word. Lord, we ask that you would be with our assembly and strengthen and guide us and be with us through the days ahead, that, Lord, that we would uh, renew continually our service to you, Lord, and to one another, that we would lift each other up and and what it is that you've called us to. Lord, let us speak those things which, uh, when we're in air, Lord, and, and the spirit of humbleness, Lord, that we can uh, restore those that are in need. We ask again your forgiveness of where we fall short of each day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for your kind attention this evening. Have a good evening.